Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. 100 years ago, the international community affirmed the rights of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Most famous is Great Britain's support, expressed in the November 2nd, 1917 Balfour Declaration. But what's sometimes forgotten is that Great Britain was not alone. In fact, Britain was part of a major international consensus supporting the rights of the Jewish people to restore independence and sovereignty in their ancestral homeland, the land of Israel. Who else was in? France and the USA both gave their support for a Jewish national home prior to the Balfour Declaration, while Italy, Japan, China and Siam openly expressed their support shortly after the Balfour Declaration. Remember, these were the days before the United Nations, so having explicit international consensus on a big issue was outstanding. So, who said what? On June 4th, 1917, several months before the Balfour Declaration, the French government issued the Cambon Letter, which expressed its sympathy for the renaissance of the Jewish nation on its land. In October 1917, US President Woodrow Wilson told the British that he endorses the Jewish people's rights, and in August 1918, he expressed this publicly. He based his policy on the new principle he introduced to international relations, a people's right to self-determination. In May 1918, the Italian government pledged to help facilitate the establishment of a Jewish national center. And in January 1919, Japan stated that it will gladly take note of the Zionist aspirations. What makes the Balfour Declaration stand out is that it was adopted by the international community when it became part of the 1922 mandate issued by the League of Nations, the precursor to the United Nations. The 1922 mandate was a major milestone on the way to Israel's independence on May 14, 1948. On May 11, 1949, Israel was admitted to the United Nations as its 59th member. Shabbat Shalom. 
Hey, hey. 
רבי, אדירים משברי ים, מקולות מים רבים, אדירים משברי ים, אדיר במרום, עדותיך
All right, got some Yaakov Shweki in there. Good opening segment, I'll tell you that much, here at JM in the AM on a Friday morning broadcast. Thanks for very much for joining us, everybody. Ah, okay, let's see. <laughs> First, the music. On this Friday, Erev Shabbos. Oh, got the wrong one on this one. That's the... Okay. I have to remember it's November and not December yet. Uh, Yaakov Shweki with eight record. You heard Rav Ravin done by Mordechai and David. My Yedidos was MBD from Shabbos with the Werdigers. Hayom from Mordechai Shapiro, David Dardashti, and Mikolot. Kamu Baneha, that was Yaakov Shweki. Tzvilala Shlom Amdina, right after that two-minute lesson regarding the Balfour Declaration, that was Shoresh, and of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 3rd, day 14 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5778, Tavshinayin Ches, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayero with candlelighting time at 529 on this Erev Shabbos. 529 is your candlelighting time. Now beware, those of us who like to be in touch with people in Israel uh, before Shabbos, in Yerushalayim, candlelighting will be just after 4 o'clock. Remember, they changed the clock there. So it's about 4.08 candlelighting time in Yerushalayim, and it's a six-hour difference right now, which means for us it would be 10.08. Next week it'll be a challenge uh, to get to everybody early enough because uh, tomorrow night, I remind you, we change the clock as the expression goes. We go to standard time tomorrow night. Again, standard time tomorrow night, which means we are going to uh, fall back one hour. Is that on this calendar? Yeah, there it is. Uh, we're going to fall back one hour and, uh, and again, go back to standard time. It'll be a seven-hour difference. Right now, it's six hours between the uh, Eastern Time Zone and the Holy Land of Israel. Uh, Tuesday is Election Day. We remind everybody to get out there and vote. I also want to wish a mazel tov to those who are transitioning from Sanhedrin to Makos. Monday is the final day of Sanhedrin in Dafyomi, and Tuesday is the first day of Makos. We say mazel tov. To those who are completing yet another Masechta, another tractate in the study of the one-page-per-day uh, Talmud regimen, uh, what we call Dafyomi. 62 degrees, partly cloudy, a high 73. Clouds tonight, low 47. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high of 58. Right now, 66 in Yerushalayim. We're at 62 here in the New York City, believe it or not, first week in November. 100-plus years since the uh, Balfour Declaration. 100 years plus one day. Um, I want to give a special shout-out to everybody in Parsippany, New Jersey. Be there later uh, today. Uh, Here we are. Uh, Be there later today in Parsippany, New Jersey. Getting ready to meet everybody there. A, A special thank you to Rabbi Shalom Lubin and to the entire congregation. Um, tonight I am uh, speaking about, um, Jewish unity. Looking forward to that. And uh, tomorrow we speak about, uh, how I got to this point from 1983 to, uh, 2017. So I welcome, and I'll welcome some questions from our audience as well. So Parsippany, New Jersey, thank you for the invitation. Looking forward to seeing you over Shabbat. And again, a big thank you. 62 degrees outside, partly cloudy, a high of 73. Good morning all from JM and the AM. 
Uh, we'll get uh, Nicole Maliotakis on the air. She'll join us coming up in just a few minutes. She's running for mayor of New York City, you might be aware. So we'll speak with her coming up. Um, Malcolm Honline, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us. 7.40 Eastern time for the weekly update. Lots to talk about. Certainly the terror attack that took place about a mile from here is something to talk about. So he'll join us. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15, and uh, we'll see what else happens. Also, a, a, a big, big, good, a big, big, big good luck. Hatzlach to those who are running the New York City Marathon on Sunday. Uh, New York City Marathon happens this coming Sunday. And there are so many wonderful organizations that are, going to, that are going to benefit from the work, from the hard training of so many people in our community. So I say Hatzlacha Rabat to everybody, a special Hatzlacha Rabat to our very own Charlie Harari, who is running the New York City Marathon for the very first time this coming Sunday. We wish him the best of luck. And uh, everybody should do it in all, uh, all in good health. Looks like the weather's going to be good for running on Sunday. All in good health and in good spirits. All right. New York City Marathon this coming Sunday. We say good luck to all the participants. I remind you that this coming uh, Saturday night, yeah, meaning tomorrow night, is the... um, This coming Saturday night begins the 24 Hours of Kalbach. This coming Saturday night, the 24-plus hours of Kalbach. Uh, tomorrow night is the yard site of Reb Shlomo. So the 24 hours of Kalbach begins uh, tomorrow night on the Nachum Siegel Network. It'll go through Monday's JM in the AM. So... Um, Do your best to tune in as much as possible for all the amazing Kalbach selections between tomorrow night all the way through Monday's JM in the AM. And I want to thank Matis Weingast. Matis Weingast is again on the air this coming Sunday with another great edition of JM Sunday. And in addition to all the Kalbach music, his guest this Sunday will be Judy Grun. Judy Grun is author of The Skeptic and the Rabbi, a moving, funny memoir detailing her journey to becoming an Orthodox Jew. So Judy is Matis's guest this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. It's in addition to all the great Kalbach music that will be included in JM Sunday. So make sure to be tuned in. Matis hits the air at 7 a.m. And that goes all the way until 9 o'clock Eastern time. And that'll be on the new clock, obviously. That'll be standard time on the quote-unquote new clock. More coming up. Good morning. Good air of Shabbos from JM in the AM.
We change the clock tomorrow night. Tuesday is election day. We remind everybody everywhere in the U.S. to vote on Tuesday. Um, don't forget the 24 hours of Kalbach begins tomorrow night in honor of his yard site. That goes through Monday morning. So make sure to be tuned into the Nahum Single Network all weekend long for great Kalbach selections. You won't want to forget to do that. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Gali, it's all in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Nicole Maliotakis is going to join us, running for mayor of New York City. She'll be coming up. Malcolm Honeline, under an hour from now at 7.40 Eastern Time with the weekly update. Malcolm Honeline weekly update coming up 7.40 Eastern time here at JMN. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Excuse me, 1 p.m. newscast for a Friday afternoon. <laughs> Follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMN. Galitzal, Shachat, Kanran Yovnei, Ima Shekorei Achshav. בעקבות ההקרבות בכפר חדר שבגולן הסורי, דובר צהל בהודעה חריגה, צהל ערוך ומוכן לסייע לתושבי הכפר. כתובנו צחי דבוש. בעקבות הערכת מצב שקיימו הרמטכ"ל אייזנקוט ומפקד פיקוד הצפון סטריק, פרסם דובר צהל, תת-אלוף רונן מנלי, סודה החריגה. לדבריו, צהל ערוך ומוכן לסייע לתושבי הכפר חדר, וימנע פגיעה או כיבוש של הכפר מתוך מחויבות לאוכלוסייה הדרוזית. עוד אמר כי הטענות בדבר מעורבות וסיוע ישראלי לגורמי ג'יהאד עולמי בלחימה ברמת הגולן מופרכות. בתוך כך עשרות דרוזים מהגולן והגליל מתכנסים במג'דל שמס, סמוך לגבול, לאות הזדהות עם הדרוזים בכפר חדר. הבוקר התפוצצה בכפר מכונית תופת ומספר תושבים נהרגו. במקום מתנהלת לחימה בין כוחות מורדים לבין נאמני אסד. לפני זמן קצר נפצע תושב מג'דל שמס כתוצאה מזליגת ירי, הוא טופל במקום ומצבו קל. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר כי המשטרה ערוכה בגולן כדי למנוע הפרות סדר. פיצוץ מנהרת הטרור בחאן יונס, הג'יהאד האיסלאמי הודיע הבוקר כי חמישה מאנשיו נעדרים בהריסות המנהרה. שמותיהם המלאים פורסמו. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. עוד מסר הארגון בהודעתו כי מנהרה זו איננה היחידה. למרות האמצעים הביטחוניים המורכבים והשימוש שעשה הכיבוש בטכנולוגיה, הצליחו לוחמינו לצלוח מרחק מאות מטרים בתוך שטחנו הכבוש. כך הג'יהאד האיסלאמי. ראש הממשלה נתניהו מתייחס לשאלת הריבונות של העם הפלסטיני ואומר, יש לבחון את עניין הריבונות של מדינות בעולם. נתניהו אמר את הדברים בתשובה לשאלה בדבר הקמת מדינה פלסטינית עצמאית בכנס במכון המחקר צ'טהאם שבלונדון. אני חושב שזה הזמן לבחון מחדש את עניין הריבונות של מדינות בעולם, כך נתניהו, ומדבריו הביא שליחנו בלונדון מיכאל האוזר טוב. גבר בן 70 חשוד בביצוע מעשה מגונה בקטינה בעיר אלעד. על פי החשד, הגבר המתגורר סמוך לבית ספר לבנות בעיר, ביטא את הילדה בת 14 לעלות לרכבו, שם ביצע בה את המעשה. כתבתנו עדה שטייף מוסרת כי מעצרו של החשוד הוארך משלושה ימים. נוכח המעשה והחשש לביצוע מקרים דומים, נעתר בית המשפט לבקשת המשטרה והתיר לפרסם את שם החשוד, שלום יוסף תנעמי, תושב אלעד. ישראלית בת 43 נמצאה מתה בחדר, בחדרה בבית מלון בבוקרסט, בירת רומניה. האישה נפטרה במהלך הלילה. משפחת, משפחתה עודכנה, נסיבות המוות נבדקות כרגע. מזג האוויר אחרי הצהריים ייתכנו גשמים מקומיים מצפון הארץ ועד הנגב, מלווים בסופות רעמים. 
קיים חשש קל לשיטפונות בנחלי מדבר יהודה וים המלח, הטמפרטורות ללא שינוי. אלה החדשות שעורכת תום ויינטראובלוק. Vegas off of volume number five with Rabos Bonos. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 529 on this Erev Shabbos. Looking forward to uh, being down in uh, Parsippany, New Jersey for Shabbat. Thank you to Rabbi Lubin and his congregation as I uh, get set to uh, be there for Shabbos as what they're calling a scholar in residence. I guess it's more of a radio personality in residence. So looking forward to seeing everybody in Parsippany. Uh, later today. Uh, well, Nicole Maliotakis is with us live via telephone. It is no secret that she has the best chance of um, replacing, if anyone's going to replace uh, the current mayor of the city of New York, it is her. She's a Republican candidate for mayor and has been extremely active during a very effective campaign over the last few weeks and months. And now, as you can imagine, it's the last few days before Tuesday's election. If you're not in the New York area, 
uh, I recommend you um, uh, you stay tuned in nonetheless because uh, hopefully you'll be able to convince your friends and family members in New York, in New York City, to go out to the polls this Tuesday and have their voice heard. Nicole Maliotakis, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Pleasure to speak with you. How's it been going? You know, they, we're watching the debates carefully, and we see how well you're doing on the campaign trail. What feeling are you getting, you know, less than a week away from Election Day? I'm really excited. We're getting a great response wherever we go in the city. And one thing's for sure, people are unhappy with the current de Blasio administration. They feel that uh, the quality of life is deteriorating, that we're paying more in terms of uh, taxes. In fact, the property tax levy for those homeowners has increased 28% over the last uh, three and a half years. And while we're paying more, we're getting less in terms of results. Everything has deteriorated in our city. And we have a homeless crisis, a transit crisis, uh, mentally ill who are uh, suffering on the street. They're a threat to themselves and others. Uh, we have major issues all across the board. Uh, and I believe that I've put forward plans and ideas to rectify them, to, to really turn this city around, to take the for sale sign off the gates of City Hall and restore it. Uh, city government to one of integrity that's going to work for the people and make sure that taxpayers are getting those basic city services that they deserve. They want to see their streets clean. Uh, they want the litter picked up. They want to have the potholes filled, uh, infrastructure invested in, a transit system that works, uh, fellow New Yorkers who are homeless, having an opportunity to transition into permanent housing. That, that's what the people of this city want. And right now, they're not getting it. You know, real leaders... Real leaders do not pass the buck. You mentioned the transit system, and it's so frustrating. Even for us, you know, the casual users, it's frustrating. I imagine people who use it every day how frustrating it is. And uh, a real leader doesn't pass the buck and doesn't try to make excuses for who's really responsible for the transit system. They'd step in, develop a plan, and, you know, become a little bit more humble and, and, and jump into action. And for some reason, this administration has not been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, de Blasio is very good at playing the blame game. Everything is everybody else's fault. It's, you know, it's Melissa Mark Viverito's fault. It's Governor Cuomo's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. Uh, he hides behind uh, the police department on certain things, uh, the teachers. You know, it's, it's, it's really shocking to see a, a mayor who does not take responsibility for anything. Um, and, and with the transit system, I said, look, day one, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call Governor Cuomo. Uh, I'm going to talk to MTA Chairman uh, Joe Loda, and we're going to uh, come up with a plan to properly fund the emergency uh, uh, provisions that, the, that Joe Loda wants to put in. He's waiting on the city to do this, and we can't wait anymore. And this idea that the mayor wants to add a new millionaire's tax, I mean, that, that's something that could potentially maybe 2019, maybe 2020 um, – it's just not feasible right now. An emergency plan needs, they need to do it now. And what's holding it up really is the, the city not cooperating and not offering any funds. And to be honest, it's actually, we should just do it. We have the surplus. Yeah. And also the, the cost of not doing it is even more because uh, we're talking about $400 million roughly a year in economic impact. That is what the controller has estimated. The cost of having a crumbling subway system that doesn't allow people to get to work, to get to their meetings, lost wages, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, not only do we need to do this emergency plan, but in the long term, we really need to start taking the ball and running with it in terms of investing in our infrastructure and, and, and replacing our outdated pre-World War II signal system with one that is uh, communication-based, which is what 
the cities of London and Paris and Copenhagen and San Francisco and Vancouver have. I mean, look, my campaign is a lot about bringing New York City in the 21st century. We're spending so much money, $15 billion more than we were three and a half years ago. And now infrastructure is crumbling. We're not investing in bringing our city into the modern times here. And even when it comes to our traffic lights, we need smart light technology that's going to ease congestion. It's going to uh, sense pedestrians and vehicles and adjust the timing of the lights accordingly. Uh, that's really important as well. It's, it's, we have a couple of them here on Staten Island, um, but, and it's working. So we need to expand that into intersections all across the city. Nicole, uh, we oh. need a mayor who has the vision to do that. Nicole Maliotakis is with us, Republican line for mayor this coming Tuesday in New York City. Uh, many people in this audience familiar with her uh, uh, her policies and positions. By the way, you mentioned the for sale sign. I thought um, in the debate this week, and in general, it, it, the way um, the way this story has hit the has hit the press and has been revealed to the public, I thought there'd be even more pressure on the mayor on this issue. Are you a little surprised that the uh, the press has uh, has not been as uh, as pressing uh, on the mayor when it's when it comes to this latest development regarding literally you know being for sale out there in city hall? Well, you know what? The, the press was very much on top of the mayor. Unfortunately, we had a, a tragic event here in the city um, in which, you know, we had eight individuals uh, killed by a terrorist. And obviously, the, the security of our city is takes precedent and has to be a priority. And that has really turned the conversation on to the future of this city. Right. And that, you know, what, what I've said is we need a mayor who's going to support our police department, who will be there for them, who will give them the resources. I will be a mayor who is a law and order individual. We're going to force law, laws in our city. We're going to make it known that our police officers are going to have the resources they need to do their job. And when it comes to surveillance, look, we're not looking to uh, target any particular group or a religion. But if there's a credible lead, we need to give our police department the lead to the ability to exhaust it and, and fight for resources to do that. Uh, in Washington, we're not getting the resources that we necessarily need. We have to expand our canine unit, and the city has gone and applied for since 2013 for funding to do that, and we've only gotten a small fraction. So I, I'm going to be a mayor who's going to fight hard. And being a fellow Republican, uh, I believe I will be the best position to lobby Washington for what we need uh, in terms of counterterrorism and, and other resources for infrastructure, et cetera. And, and that is why the MTA police endorsed me yesterday. Uh, because they believe that I'm best suited to fight for the needs in terms of security, that they'll get the resources they need to do the job, uh, but also that I'm going to be serious about working with Governor Cuomo to fix our transit needs uh, and also address our homeless issue, which is a major concern in, in, in the transportation hubs, Penn Station, Times Square, uh, not, I'm sorry, Penn Station, Grand Central. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, the lax approach by this administration has led to now a crisis level. We have to be serious about transitioning people out of the shelter system so individuals can come in, but also provide the services and the support and the, the, the vocational training, for example, uh, for individuals that want to improve their lives and get good-paying jobs. Nicole Maliotakis, uh, she wants to be the first female mayor of New York City in its history, but to her credit has never made that an issue. All she wants to do is lead New York and get us back on our feet in these five boroughs. Uh, good luck on Tuesday. I know it's a uh, it's a tough race. The last few days of any uh, race like this are going to be uh, you know quite important in terms of the results. And uh, who knows? Oh, look, I, I'm sorry, Nicole. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Um, look, our poll suggests 
that it's a, it is a tightening race, that we are within striking distance, very different than what the college polls are showing. Um, but the bottom line is if people come out to vote, we will be successful in this election and we'll turn the path of New York City to one in which we have bringing integrity to City Hall. We're giving the taxpayers the basic city services that they deserve. We're going to bring New York City in the 21st century. And we're going to clean up the mess, quite frankly, that Bill de Blasio has made. Uh, so I hope uh, your listeners will visit my website between now and Tuesday and talk to all their friends www.nicoleformayor2017.com. And I really thank you for having me on again. It's been great. A pleasure. Look forward to having you on as mayor. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Nicole Maliotakis, Friday morning here at JMN. Big election in New York City. Uh, big election. Very meaningful one to our community. I can tell you that much. Um, and we'll see what happens on Tuesday here in New York. If you know of people in New York City who are uh, eligible to vote, convince them. Make sure they come out to the polls on Tuesday. It's all about the uh, turnout, frankly, and we'll see what happens. 24 hours of Kalbach begins tomorrow night. 24-plus hours of Kalbach goes through Monday mornings, JM and the AM. Make sure to check us out all weekend long at the Nahum Siegel Network. I want to remind you that our friends, excuse me, our friends at Bedford-on-Park, they're reminding uh, me to remind everybody out there to get your uh, holiday reservations in. Bedford-on-Park is the perfect place for a delicious, high-level, kosher, uh, exquisite holiday party for your office, for your staff, for the people who, uh, who you work with, for your clients. Uh, they could serve up to 100 to 150 people in their facility at 61 East 34th Street in New York City under the leadership of Chef Alex. Bedford wants to hear from you. The northwest corner of Park and 34th, perfectly located. Delicious dishes, including that 22-ounce bone-in ribeye with that incredible exclusive rub created by Chef Alex. Uh, they serve lunch, they serve dinner, they do shevabrachas, they do parties, and they want to do your holiday party or your Hanukkah celebration uh, over the next couple of months. Go to bedfordkitchen.com, bedfordkitchen.com, and make that reservation today, bedfordkitchen.com. Make sure you mention you heard about it here on JM in the AM. By the way, Chef Naomi, um, the Aussie Gourmet, is going to join us, hostess of uh, Table for Two here at the Nahum Siegel Network. She'll join us in the 8 o'clock hour because A&H, our friends at Abels and Hyman, are having the best Dressed hot dog contest coming up at Kosher Fest on the 14th of November. And you, if you go to the ANH, Abels and Hyman Instagram profile or Facebook profile, you can get all the information and become a contestant to uh, get the best dressed hot dog. And there's a good cash prize, a trophy, the whole thing. Uh, so we'll speak to Naomi about it later, but check it out. Abels and Hyman is doing it, and you'll have a, uh, an amazing opportunity to really uh, have some fun over at Kosher Fest. The first ever Kosher Best Dressed Hot Dog Contest is coming up on the 14th of November. JM in the AM with Derek Achim.
together with a dream in our heart. It was so clear who we were and who we were meant to be. One forever, never tearing apart. All united, never be divided. We made a night and
Jam in the AM with Yachad. Uri Davidi off of the Halavai album here on a Friday morning broadcast. Jam in the AM on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Vayera. Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek presented by Kedem starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time right after Naomi Nachman. Naomi is going to actually interview Jew in the City, Allison Josephs, and Schiffer Klein of Joy of Kosher magazine. At her house, meaning at Naomi's house for a cooking demo. It's all coming up between 9 and 10. Naomi Nachman and uh, Table for Two. Then after that, Mark Zamek with the uh, Erev Shabbos show presented by our friends at Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix presented by Kedem goes all the way uh, until candlelighting time. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Vayera, candlelighting uh, 529 in the New York area. Remember, in Israel, it's a very early candlelighting time now. They're on standard time, 4.08 in Jerusalem. 4.08 in Jerusalem. If you like to connect with people in Israel before Shabbos in the Eastern time zone, you have until 10.08 this morning to do so. Tuesday is Election Day. Everybody out there, make sure to go out and vote, no matter where you are in the U.S. Go out and vote. It's Election Day, of course, this coming Tuesday. Um... Uh, tomorrow night starts the 24-plus hours of Kalbach. Tomorrow night starts the 24-plus hours of Kalbach. Make sure to be tuned in all weekend long as we present 24-plus hours in honor of his yard site. Matis hosts JM Sunday this coming Sunday. His guest, Judy Grun, author of The Skeptic and the Rabbi, a moving, funny memoir detailing her journey to becoming an Orthodox Jew. The Skeptic and the Rabbi, Judy Grun, the guest of Matis Wine Guest, is coming Sunday, JM Sunday, between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Good luck. Hatzlach Rabbah to those who are in the New York City Marathon. That happens this coming Sunday, New York City Marathon. Good luck to everybody in our community who's participating. And don't forget, we change our clock. We go to standard time on Sunday morning. 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. We go to standard time this coming Sunday tomorrow night and that'll again be a seven hour difference between the eastern time zone and Israel Mazal Tov to those who are completing Masecha Sanhedrin that happens on Monday in the Dafyomi cycle the one page per day Talmud study Mazal Tov and good luck to those starting Masecha's Makos on Tuesday as the cycle of Dafyomi marches on and many people after many people continue to uh Study one Masechta, one tractate after another. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. Our weekly update is coming up. That's right. Our weekly update is coming up. You are invited to stay tuned to JM in the AM as the weekly update will uh, commence at approximately 7.40 Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
In the AM, Achim Benefesh, it's Avraim, well, it's Avram Freed, of course. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayera. Hello, Parsippany, New Jersey. Looking forward to um, speaking with everybody and meeting everybody in Parsippany later on, or by Lubin's uh, synagogue in Parsippany. I thank you for having us uh, this coming Shabbat. Um, Tuesday's election day, make sure to vote. If you know people in New York City, area, if you know anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the U.S., it's Election Day on Tuesday. Let's remind everybody to vote. Um, it is very important our community be represented. 24 plus, 24 plus hours of Kalbach begins tomorrow night online. Nachum Siegel Network, um, make sure to be tuned in all the way until uh, Monday morning at 9 a.m. It'll be 24 plus hours of Kalbach in honor of his yard site, which starts tomorrow night. Make sure to be tuned in to dedicate uh, any of the 24 hours of Kalbach to anybody and support the great work of JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, go to fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Candlelighting 529, reminder that Israel has changed the clock already, so candlelighting is just after 4 p.m. If you want to connect with Israel, keep that in mind, and obviously next week it'll be 
even more urgent if you want to connect with Israel before Shabbos because we, we will be changing our clock tomorrow night. It'll again be a seven-hour difference between the Eastern time zone and the Holy Land. Yes, remember to change the clock, quote-unquote, tomorrow evening. Big shout-out to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. You could uh, print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos. Go to jewishworldreview.com. And only simchas.com continues to utilize some of our amazing content, and I mean amazing, um, as part of their uh, concerted effort to uh, continuously add to their Simcha news, some incredible news stories from around the Jewish world. Go to onlysimchas.com, onlysimchas.com, and our recommendation is to check them out every single day. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations, joins us Fridays here at JM and the AM with a weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Appreciate that. There's plenty to talk about. First, just for a moment, I wanted to acknowledge the passing of a very important person in the Jewish community. Uh, we lost this week Mr. Sandy Eisenstadt, someone who was uh, a great lay leader and I think took extreme pride in both being, quote-unquote, what he always wanted to be, a regular member of the community, while at the same time, uh, proved to be one of the greatest leaders uh, we've ever had, both in front of and behind the scenes. And I'm sure you had many interactions with him, as we remember Sandy Eisenstadt this morning. It's very sensitive for me. Uh, he was uh, more than a dear friend and a colleague and uh, somebody who uh, would turn to, to rely on. Most recently, he, he chaired the Council for Secure America, uh, co-chaired it, which is uh, which brought together the oil and gas people. And if you'd have seen these, the reaction of these top-level people in the energy industry on the news and their commitment in Sandy's memory to make sure that the work doesn't stop, and believe me, it, it, it largely centered around him. And I, I've known him since the 70s when I came to New York to do Sylvie Jury. I had the source of, of having dinner lunch on a Shabbat right before he took ill in Eretz Israel in Yerushalayim. And he was buoyant and happy. He's somebody who did not talk Lashon Hara. He was somebody who was uh, totally committed to the Achdus of Klal Yisrael. And the song that you just played right before this was so appropriate uh, as an introduction to, to the, talking about the life, the deeds, which I know his sons will continue. They, they live in Israel, and he's... Um, and uh, he, he will be missed so much. He was a past president of uh, KJ, and uh, the, the love that people felt from everybody who comes to the shiva, came to the shiva that I saw, that I heard from my wife and others who were there, everybody had the same feeling about him. Everybody felt they were his best friend and yeah. n- knew what he had done. We had the same feeling, no doubt, and of course our uh, wishes and of condolences to Susie and the entire Family. And one last point. Um, we were all shocked to find out how young he was, frankly, and uh, taken uh, way too early. And not that that's for us to judge. And he will be sorely missed. And I appreciate you joining me and paying tribute to him. We remember Sandy Eisenstadt, the great Sandy Eisenstadt of blessed memory on this Friday morning. Uh, Malcolm Honline is with us. It is the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Well, there's uh, no doubt what the uh, number one story of the week is. For us in the New York area, Malcolm, and that is the terrorist attack that took place just uh, about a mile from here uh, earlier this week on the west, lower west side of Manhattan, very close to the uh, uh, World Trade Center area. Uh, what, what do we know? I know that the, the, there have been a lot of headlines, a lot of quotes, a lot of analysis. From your perspective, what do we know about this terrorist 
and uh, and 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 who he followed and what he was trying to accomplish this past week. Well, the truth is, we know still very little. And you know, you saw the immediate and automatic response of so many. Literally before there was any possibility of of knowing conclusively that he was a lone wolf or not a lone wolf, that uh, every time that that uh, is said, we find out in fact that uh, that there were other people involved, that there were uh, that he had some connections, uh, and I think we'll we'll find out much more as time goes on. I think the. A uh, policeman who, who stopped him uh, was indeed a hero and uh, stopped the carnage from being much worse. And you could, you see that he has no harate, has no uh, regrets about what he did. Quite the opposite, he's he's boasting it and saying he regrets he didn't kill more people. This is the same thing we hear from many of the terrorists in, in Israel. And we have to remember where the truck rammings, you know, when, when they happened in Israel, it got a ho-hum from the world. And now we've seen it in Nice, in Germany, in England, in France, elsewhere. That uh, uh, you know, Israel may be the first, but it's never the last. And the the refusal to confront this, and you know, uh, that he shouted Allah Akbar, that is not insignificant. I don't know that he was, you know, again tied to anything beyond uh, what we know right now, or or his. Uh, you know the pattern of his movements, right. also where he moved from city to city, including Patterson, where we've had problems before. Whether he was following someone's instructions or not, don't you resent the term "lone wolf" because of what we now know in terms of his indoctrination, the videos found on his phone, uh, the photos, and the uh, and different things found uh, in the truck itself, uh, and of course the fact that he's you know demanding they fly the ISIS flag in his hospital room, which took a I guess a certain level of nerve. Uh, don't you resent the term lone wolf when you hear about the influence he's had from all these different angles? I resent it because historically it, it doesn't prove to be true. Again, he doesn't have to be part of, of a, directly part of a cell, but every one of them is inspired and motivated, whether on the Internet, in a mosque, in a, by other individuals, uh, many times training. We, everybody should just hold back judgment at, at at, at least until you've had a chance to investigate him, uh, there's a second person of interest. I think that they that they have now in custody. So yes, when I hear the the lone uh, wolf thing, I, I, I cringe because it, it also distorts. And I hope that uh, law enforcement and the New York police are certainly the best equipped in the country, and together with the Joint Task Forces to to deal with these issues and. You know, they have, about, I think, a 1,000 policemen assigned to counterterrorism. It's, it's truly a remarkable um, group of people and, and uh, the commitment that uh, New York makes to, to the security of, our, of the citizens. But you undermine that, I think, when people rush to judgment uh, in, in, and, and not devote the resources to looking at where he came from. Uh, he, 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 he drove for more than a mile. Uh, knowing what you know about Israel and the way people, security forces, and in many cases, citizens who are carrying weapons, um, authorized, of course, uh, the way they react, uh, one would suspect that in a place like Israel, uh, he would have been stopped a lot earlier than, you know, more than one mile on his ride. Well, it depends because, you know, if you go into a semi-rural or you go into a, a highway somewhere, and, and start killing people or mowing down and crashing into cars and things, 
it doesn't you know, people don't have time to react they're not prepared for it and therefore you can do a lot of damage before you get stopped yeah uh and uh, and you know that uh, among the people killed somebody who's being um uh, classified as a, uh, as a as a prominent member of the Jewish community down in Argentina. Do you know anything more about um, uh, about uh, the victims of the attack? We know that it was a group of people who went to school, to public school, 30 years ago, went, uh, graduated 30 years ago, and made a pledge at the time that they would come together and do something, a big celebration. And, and this uh, gentleman uh, helped some of those who couldn't afford to go he un- helped underwrite it. He was a businessman in Buenos Aires, uh, very beloved from all that I've heard. And the other um, five others, five from that group were, were killed. And another a person from Belgium. Um, but thank God it seems to uh, I don't know amongst the wounded yet. We haven't gotten right. full accounting. I mean, it's uh, not that we haven't seen this before, you know, from other areas of the world that are directly affected, but, uh, I mean, the Buenos Aires community must be uh, completely devastated. I mean, you're talking about, you know, five, five older people who, uh, you know, well, the I mean, city, yeah, they're, they're yeah not, the I mean, others were not Jewish. Uh, no, I understand. One, yeah, I'm not, I'm not but, talking about the but Jewish for, communities in general, the whole the story itself. Yes. Yeah. And, and Buenos Aires, you know, has had a long history of, right. of being victimized by, by terrorists and, uh, the Jewish community, certainly the army bombing, the bombing of the, yeah. um, Israeli embassy, other incidents. So for, for them, yes. It's, now, uh, now the New York city, um, NYPD terror unit, whatever the official name is, they they spoke about some of the preparations or some of the um, uh, precautions that are taken uh, with these types of attacks in mind. For instance, I learned this week, which I was glad to hear, uh, that they literally have visited hundreds, and they use that n- uh, number, hundreds of truck rental places to brief truck renters about what they should be looking for among those who rent trucks and when to when to alert the authorities. I mean, I know that the NYPD and the you know the terror units are at a certain level of preparedness, but this this I thought was quite significant, frankly. Um, I and and by the way, and, and on the flip side, if they're doing that, I don't know how much more they can do to prevent these types of attacks. I sit here just wondering, you know, will there be more? There are a lot of places in New York City, by the way. Where God forbid, you know, more people can be killed at once, and which are much busier, and many of them with easier access than a bike route on West Street. So, right, and the so, I mean, there are a lot of points that you raised. One is that I hope the federal government and others will give the resources to and and to pursue leads more seriously to to uh, learn the lessons each time and apply them. And too often, you know, we restrict ourselves when you can't monitor what goes on in certain places when, you know, intelligence gathering, which is such an important part of this, is, is crippled or, or limited. It makes uh, the police, the FBI, a lot less uh, effective. One, two, about the truck rental, it's true that they uh, go and they try to alert people what to look for, but in, in many cases, somebody else will rent the truck. Right. And then this guy takes it and drives it into, you know, into this kind of a, uh, uses it for this kind of an attack. And also, if somebody, they can go and habituate themselves to a place so that they become accustomed to seeing them, so they'll rent it once, twice, three times, 
And by the third time, nobody's looking because they know this guy already. Right. And um, so there are a lot of ways to bypass the, the security systems and the, the whatever background checks uh, people can engage in. But the truck rental people, clearly, they don't have the authority, law enforcement authority, or anything else to to, to do go beyond that. Right, but just the fact that they are made aware of what to look for and you know encouraged to you know to make a phone call at specific times or with specific customers that that was you know that 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 was somewhat comforting, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, Al Tiftach Ped. I'm sure most people out there don't want me to even say it publicly, but but aren't you shocked that there aren't more coordinated attacks? I mean. God forbid you talk about three, four different people, you know, renting trucks on the same day. You're talking about, uh, you know, p- potential for complete chaos. We always have that potential. And, and uh, you know, many more events, and I've tried to report on it periodically, uh, are prevented here in Israel, right. elsewhere in Europe, uh, than take place. That's why you would still laud the NYPD despite the week they had. I would laud them, yes, because they're, uh, uh, you, again, people don't know, and nobody advertises when right. something doesn't happen and uh, prevent is prevented. But uh, I know that in Israel, for instance, dozens of attacks were prevented. So when people are critical, when something does take place, you've had bus, you know, car rammings and truck rammings at bus stations, so they take and they learn the lessons. They put up poles, they put up cameras, they, uh, they even have drones in some places to try to keep an eye out for, you know, for potential incidents. Uh, we learn each time they're putting up the balusters, those cement blocks on many places along the highway on the west side. You learn each time, and each time you hope that it will prevent. I mean, look this week, the incident with a tunnel coming from Gaza uh, into Israel. question you always ask me about, why they don't have the technology, why they don't have the ability somehow to stop it. And you see that there was a dual track here. One was that Israel is building this underground barrier, cement, very thick, which uh, uh, releases liquid cement if a tunnel is being built around underneath it or around it. It even can detect tunnels underneath it as go underneath. And second, that they have this new system of sensors which can detect, you know, the tunnels. They knew about it for a while. It it never came to an exit point. This tunnel did not have an exit point in Israel, but they destroyed it at a time when they want, when Israel thought it was most important and propitious, and as you know, they caught them off guard, and uh, there are bodies inside, but this was inside Israel. Uh, it had been detected, they monitored it, and then uh, struck when they decided it was most propitious. Yeah. Uh, let's say you were standing on stage in a conversation and or debate with Linda Sarsour. Most people in this audience know who she is. And she says to you what she tweeted this week after the account. Every believing Muslim says Allahu Akbar every day during prayers. We cannot criminalize God is great. Prosecute the criminal, not a faith. What would be the appropriate response? Nobody's interested in in criminalizing the faith. Uh, the fact that that most terrorists are Muslims, or a good percentage of them uh, are are in fact Muslims, is a reality. Uh, so the premise of your question, though, is impossible because I would not appear on a stage with Linda Sassour. <laughs> I, I think that's one. <laughs> Two, uh, um, you know, she has to be held to account. She's lionized. She's uh, respected when, in fact, 
the track record is very clear, and uh, I agree that we should not condemn everybody and every faith for everything that somebody does or any ethnic group or anything else that, that you know that somebody seeks to identify or discriminate against. But you know the the importance is, and and we saw it this time. Many members of the Muslim community speaking out against the the attack, condemning it. Whatever, even even Iran issued a statement what? Uh, wow. about it. Wow. So, you know, the the principle I think is important that that people um, use judgment, good judgment, and and care in in how they react. But the reality is also important. Yeah. Speaking of care, when care C A I R condemns it, do you roll your eyes or you are happy with what might be some sincerity? Not happy. I think it's important for them and for the community to be the ones who stand up and and speak out against these kind of actions and to root out because they know better than anyone where there is an imam who preaches hate or incites, where there are broadcasts, where there are information. They may not know everything and everybody, but uh, or even this individual. Um, I don't know how many of his neighbors uh, knew much about him, and often they say they're loners. But in fact, somebody knows something, and it's really imperative that that information be given in advance to the police before you have an attack. By the way, I, I just have to add that uh, I'm watching some of the national news on the night of the attack, and uh, they have the terror experts coming on listing for everybody where truck rammings have taken place in the past. You mentioned some of them, you know, Spain, France, England. But they didn't but, mention Israel. And they don't mention Israel. I mean, could you imagine? I, I heard the, the, the same thing. The, 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 birth, the birthplace of car rammings, you know, where, where we unfortunately can visualize the videos we've seen of trucks going through crowds of soldiers and others and innocent people in Israel. I'm not a word of it. That is true. No. Uh, by the way, are you uh, speaking of those who make outrageous statements? Because we were just speaking about Linda. Linda no, Sorcerer. I did not make any. No, not you. Oh, okay. And you I, said I, you were I, speaking about. And I know some. <laughs> I know some. <laughs> and I know sometimes you don't like to be put on the spot regarding you know quote unquote local stuff, which I totally get. But this effort to uh, you know this effort against the uh, professor at Princeton, Michael Shikandis, uh, who's made outrageous Facebook posts, uh, it, it, most agree. Uh, that they are blatantly anti-Semitic, uh, should we participate in an effort to get them ousted from Rutgers? I, I, I think it's regrettable that we need to think about whether there has to be an effort to get him out, when I think if he had posted similar things about other ethnic or religious groups, there would not have been a question. And when people say Jews are hypersensitive or Jews, you know, of anti-Semitism, you know, that they wouldn't do the same to others, well, look at what he's done and that there is even a question that he should remain in a teaching position is, to me, the, the astounding thing. Excellent. Well said. Yesterday was Balfour Day. We spent a lot of time. Oh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app, where we welcome all your comments. I'm sure Malcolm joins me in reminding everybody that Tuesday is Election Day. No matter where you are in the United States, it is important to get out and uh, and vote. Uh, they pay careful attention to see which communities in this country vote. If you're not familiar with that, familiarize yourself with it. And if you know of youngsters out there who have just turned 18 or who are ambivalent when it comes to the voting process, encourage them to get out there this coming Tuesday and have their voice heard. Uh, yesterday was Balfour Day. Spent a lot of time on it. 
November the 2nd of 1917, the Balfour Declaration, and of course, yesterday, the 100th commemoration. Uh, tell me, aside from the Balfour recognition uh, of how important the day was, what else did the uh, Prime Minister accomplish in the United Kingdom? Did what? What did, he, cut what did the Prime Minister accomplish? He, he met with the Prime Minister, correct? Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu met with the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Mrs. May, who spoke out very strongly, unapologetically, and refusing the the demands of the Abbas and others that that they condemn or express regret and apologize for the um, Balfour. What was originally the Balfour letter? It was a letter sent to, to Rothschild, who was a leader of the Jewish community, right. Zionist leader in Britain. In later, I think by Weitzman initially, the Balfour Declaration, it was embodied. Malcolm, we're, those, having, we're having a lot of trouble with your phone line. For those who said that it had no legal standing, it was embodied in the League of Nations Charter, in the in the preamble. It was embodied in the San Remo Agreements that ended World War One. President Wilson, President Harding all came out for it. It was the Fish Lodge um, a, a resolution which passed unanimously in the House and Senate, which endorsed it. Uh, and I had the privilege to speak to the senior uh, Congressman Fish in his 90s, and he talked to me about the whole process and about how you know they fought for it. Always resented the fact that Balfour and not America got credit for it. And uh, and if you you look at the language, and this is very important because nobody knows today. Our kids don't know what the Balfour Declaration is. It didn't create the state of Israel, but it was a critical. Um, a milestone, if nothing else, but to empower and and encourage the Jewish community at that time, which remember after the pogroms, after all of the terrible things, um, uh, comes out of World War One, they were trying to get him as an ally, especially to get Russian Jews and American Jews to back the war effort. Uh, so they had their own agendas, and and after the war, the Sykes-Picot, they cut up. The world and the Arab states they negotiated with, and they never asked for Palestine. Palestine was never part of their negotiation. It says you should recognize the religious and civic rights, uh, exact language, but not territorial rights of the of the domestic population. And the uh, the fact is that the reason you didn't have a state is because the Palestinians never gotten every opportunity that they had. They decided not to take advantage of it. And it was the Jews who built the institutions that allowed a state to be created. Right. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, one of the videos that we've been playing the audio from uh, here over the last couple of days uh, describes what you just described earlier in this segment about all the different countries, including the U.S., and leaders of different countries that recognized Palestine as a homeland for the Jewish people. The, the, what they considered to be the reason that the Balfour Declaration got all the hype and publicity is because that is the declaration that was adopted in 1922 by the League of Nations, the precursor to the UN, and therefore, because of that recognition, they claim that Balfour ended up being the most uh, prominent among all those. Well, it's because Britain had the mandate, had the legal international recognized authority to do it, number one. Number two, uh, after the war, number two, it was 51 countries endorsed it when right. it became part of the League of Nations. You know, Japan had issued a declaration earlier. The Kaiser, 20 years earlier, uh, issued a proclamation. Many presidents of the United States, going back to Adams and even earlier, uh, all spoke about a uh, Jewish homeland and Jewish Jewish state. Again, unfortunately, nobody teaches these things to, to our kids or to 
kids generally. Yeah, well, let's not, let's not say nobody. My kid came home knowing in seventh grade what Balfour was. So, but, no, I didn't say just Balfour. About the history of right. the commitments and right. how how the state came into being, not because of Balfour, but what why that was one of the watershed events. Right, was, and we and we also have to be very careful as those who are members of the you know community of faith. Because we don't we, we don't want to give the impression that it was in fact Balfour or one of those statements that gave us the right to Israel. We're well, that's not, why they call him the Lord. We are, we are very good. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually, and he said that the Lord Rothschild. So there may, there may have been a debate there about who was the real Lord. Um, but we have to remember, especially in these parshiot that we're in right now, it's it's pretty interesting that Balfour Day ends up mm-hmm. at this time of year. We have, right. to, we have to remember the ultimate right that we have. Uh, to the land. Uh, hopefully this conversation does in fact propel people to uh, encourage their children and grandchildren to learn more and more about this because the more education information we have, the better off we are uh, in future generations, that's for sure. Um, all right, so we talked about the uh, uh, the um, refusal of Prime Minister May to apologize, as you just described. Sounds like a successful meeting between the two leaders. Anything about Iran? Did the Prime Minister of uh, Netanyahu encourage her one way or the other regarding Iran? Uh, yes, they talked a great deal about Iran, as he does with everybody, because uh, we're seeing Iran continuing their activities, and most disturbing this week, the visit of Putin to Tehran, where he met with Khamenei, and they talked about the strategic partnership of, of Russia and Iran. Uh, also, I think Aliyev of, uh, of Azerbaijan was there. The... Um, uh, there are there were m- many developments, uh, including the United States acknowledged that Rouhani, the president, when he visited uh, the uh, minister, when he visited um, the United States, uh, President Rouhani uh, refused a meeting, the opportunity for a meeting with the president. Mm. And uh, the, the Iranians said at first there was silence, and now the administration acknowledged. I think that they, were, they had offered a high-level meeting during the GA, which would have been disappointing. Um, and the, the, the not only were, was Putin there, but the heads of the militaries of Iran and Russia met to talk about joint efforts. And this was the last day of the Air Force drills. <laughs> the name of it was Death Defying Defenders of Eliati Sanctuary 7. By the time they said the name, this, the whole thing was over. <laughs> the conference was over. But, <laughs> but, they, but they used all sorts of planes in, a, in defense of an area, which is near where the uh, bases are, but including uh, not only F-5s and F-7s and Sukhois and uh, other uh, fighter and fighter bombers, MiG-29, Boeing 707s and 747s were used. Cargo planes were involved in the war game. So all of their efforts to say that Boeing is purely uh, for domestic purposes, when we know that Iran Air and Iran Airlines are used to ferry troops to the to Syria, etc. Here you see where the Boeing planes are used directly in a military exercise announced by the Iranians so that the deal with Boeing should not take place. Congress should use this as, as clear evidence about why it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, when when Putin visits Tehran, uh, they know, meaning in Tehran, they know that he has had multiple meetings that we keep speaking about with Prime Minister Netanyahu, right? So what happens when Israel comes up? And I know you can only conjecture here, but I mean, when Israel when Israel comes up, is he? I, I would hope that he's not revealing strategies that he discusses with Prime Minister Netanyahu. I I, I don't know if Putin is you know trustworthy. You know, to to not do that, like what happens when the topic of Israel comes up at a meeting like that? 
I, I wasn't there, so I don't know, but I do know that uh, uh, Netanyahu met this week with the defense minister of Russia, uh, uh, Shoigu, and made clear that we're not going to let it, Israel will not let Iran get entrenched on the border. And the expectations they were disappointed in the U.S.-Russian agreements, and I'm sure that the issue of the sanctions and other actions uh, take uh, do take place. I, I'm hopeful that Putin at least. Uh, uh, stands by some of his public commitments to, to Israel and his statements, but he, he's a pragmatist. He'll go with whatever suits his purposes. That's his modus vivendi. That's how he operates and how he's able to do all the things that he is doing with a shoestring budget. They said that they signed a $20 billion deal and energy and other things. Neither country has the financial resources today, and they're, they're all punching way above their weight because of the failure of the, of the West and others to, to stand up to it, to, to make demands to uh, the sanctions that we have on them are crippling and do have an impact, and we have to do much more, and we have sanctions on Russia as well. And this is, uh, uh, you know, the, that Putin and Iran and, and others are today dividing up the future or determining the future of Syria and other countries is not acceptable. It's unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> by the way, true or false that the prime minister of Israel asked the president of the United States to, uh, uh, to allow Jonathan Pollard to make Aliyah? I would say that, uh, there is certainly a lot of smoke, so there's usually fire. Hmm, interesting. Were you surprised that in the UK, only 11% of the people in a poll said they support a boycott of Israel? Uh, no, because that has been generally the trend, uh, for uh, for a while, and I wish the United Nations would would take a look at it. By the way, you know Wisconsin and, uh, and Maryland just recently became, uh, I think, the twenty third, twenty fourth states to to adopt anti BDS legislation. Many right. more are uh, still in the works, but it's the same time as uh, you you saw that. And by the way, Palestinians are against the BDS and and uh, the boycott. But the, the United Nations Human Rights Council is compiling this dossier, and we just saw a case where Bezek, which is, you know, the the um, telecommunications company of Israel, uh, and uh, that it was the successor to the original phone company of, of Israel, and they do cellular and internet and cable and everything else, but to also to people who live in, in the West Bank. It's not military, it's not anything, it's just a uh, service. And now the Human Rights Council wrote to the CEO saying that if it doesn't cease operations in the West Bank, it faces uh, a designation um, in, as a human rights abuser. And this is, I mean, this is so outrageous to see the Human Rights Council now fostering these, you know, this blacklist that we've talked about. Um, we'll know soon whether how far this is going to go or what the next step will be, but it's really uh, outrageous. Absolutely crazy. Uh, and what about the poll that 68% of Israelis feel there should be Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount? Surprisingly high or not? No, I'm not sure many of them really understand what the difficulties. It's not a halachic question here. This is more of a political question. Yeah, but many of them and might think that it's an inciting, you know, an insightful uh, act. Because they know that it's not an insightful well, act. That's that's good. exactly right. That is the point. That, and what I was saying is that, that this is not a judgment on 
you know, on the halachic issues. People, everybody has to go to their rabbi to decide. But the idea that the Temple Mount has to remain in Israeli control under uh, Jewish uh, uh, Jewish government, because we know that the rights of Jews will be denied. We know that that uh, we have to reassert the identification at a time when UNESCO and others are trying to take it away. And again, if you read the parshas, you get exactly the deed to all of these places and the. Um, and all of the new excavations, which underscore our claim all the time, that the um, and the international community's continued efforts and refusal to recognize, and you know the, some of the declarations that come out about it, completely ignoring 3,800 years of history, Jewish history, and 2,000 years of Christian history. So I take all these things very seriously. That that. Um, the declaration is also a message to their own government about what they would like to see happen. Yeah, uh, can you go back to the tunnels for a moment? So the nine terrorists were killed this week, right? They were discovered inside the tunnel and and, uh, and they were killed. And then you went ahead earlier in this conversation and said that Israel was, uh, you know, creating some type of new, what sounded like an underground defense system against these tunnels, correct? Yes. And eventually, uh, they're going to. I guess, you know, once this is completed, they'll literally will have put a complete stop to the ability of the enemy to dig those tunnels from Gaza, correct? That is the goal, but, uh, you know, it's very expensive. It's very painstaking, so it's only part of it. So there's still areas where they can, and they try all the time. Uh, I think there are 11 tunnels, they believe now, that have been dug uh, up to the border, under the border already. And, you know, that when Israel put up barriers, so they go underneath those barriers, uh, this has a detection system now to, to tell when they are, and also to prevent it. As I said, it pours liquid concrete wow. um, into any tunnel that is as it's being built. The, um, uh, the and you know this comes as Fatah and Hamas are reaching an accord, reaching a, an understanding, and you know how much money is diverted that supposedly should be going to the social and economic needs of the people. So when they keep demanding and saying, you know, it's Israel, take a look at how they spend their money and, and how they divert resources to these, uh, to these terrible uh, intentions of tunnels, which are only for terror purposes. And the, uh, uh, you know, that, that the turnover of the, of the crossing points to the PA shouldn't get too carried away. This is they're not giving up their weapons. They're not giving up their intent. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Hamas. And and when you see the statements by Abbas uh, this week, there's no source of comfort there either. Yeah, that's for sure. And finally, up north, the the um, uh, the the village, a Druze village that was hit, I assume by Syrian forces. I, I, I would guess. I mean, you'll tell me if I'm wrong. This was in retaliation for the Israeli airstrike earlier in the week against the the Syrian factory, or unrelated. So they said that this was uh, a, a, some of the military commentators uh, said that it was a strike back against uh, against Israel for the initial attack. But we've seen uh, this fire, and as you know, the last time I described it here, that the, it was concluded that it was intentional. It wasn't errant fire because there was no ongoing exchanges in that area. We don't know who was responsible, but uh, Hezbollah generally, whether but whether the orders came on high or it was lower level, uh, and Israel uh, struck back as it must because it and it hit um, an arms depot, uh, copper factory, I think. Uh, the, 
Israel has to respond right away because the message has to be clear. There can be no gray areas when you're dealing with terrorists or people like Hamas or Iran. They have to understand, and it has to be a painful response so that the next time they think about it, they'll think not only twice but 20 times before they carry out an attack. No question about that. Are you voting on Election Day? Would I miss an election? You don't miss those, do you? I do not. I wish people around the country, especially from our community, would understand the importance of it, especially during quote-unquote off years. Uh, everybody keep in mind. And even if you live in a district where there is no hot race, as there are several in, in New York, local races. But, you know, people judge for the next election. Yep. They look at who turns out and who doesn't turn out. And what would our predecessors say, Malcolm? Grandparents and great-grandparents who never experienced the right to vote till they got to the shores of the United States. They would encourage all of us to get out there and vote. So where's Roosevelt on the ballot? Yeah. And <laughs> or, any, or any other Democrat. But um, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 while it, the party doesn't matter so much in New York, you have also a lot of new parties that individual candidates are running under. So people should be careful when they go in to vote to, you know, look at the ballots and to be careful how they fill them in so their vote counts. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Stay safe out there. After all, this is New York. <laughs> and uh, we will speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Have a good job. And I say that only slightly tongue-in-cheek, everybody. New York, of course, hit by the terror attack this week. We pray for those families internationally who were directly affected by losing loved ones to this murderer this terrorist murderer, and, of course, we pray for the uh, for the health and speedy recovery of those who are injured in the attack. And, yes, let us all stay safe out there and pray for each other's safety at all times. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayera, candlelighting time 529 on this Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. And there we go. Uh, there we go. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. <clears throat> Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha's Vayera. What a rich Parsha. In terms of mitzvos, there are no mitzvos of the Tariag of the 613 contained in Parshas Vayera. But there is so much hashkafa as to really what it means to be a Jew that this Parsha is exceedingly rich. The Mishnah tells us in the fifth chapter of Avos that Asor Nisionos Nisnaso Avramavinu. In the fourth Mishnah, in the fifth chapter, we're taught that Avraham our father was tested with ten tests, and he got a perfect score, Ahmad Bakulam. Now, according to most of the commentaries, the ten tests come to a conclusion with the end of Parshas Vayera, with the Akedah. Avraham, ready, willing, and able to sacrifice his Yitzchak, even though this would make him the hypocrite of his day, the laughingstock of his day. He went around 
teaching people that God does not want human sacrifice. And now he was going to do what he told them not to do. He was telling everybody that God was loving, compassionate, and now he was prepared to sacrifice his one and only Yitzchak. More than that, Hashem had promised him, Ki Yitzchak Literally, through Yitzchak, there would be continuity. Avram could very well have said, Excuse me, Hashem, didn't you tell me that there would be continuity through Yitzchak? How can you now ask me to sacrifice Yitzchak? The same Avram who pleads for Sodom in a most vicious way, Chalilalacha, calling God's action, his threat to destroy Sodom, sacrilegious, unbelievable. You, God, are going against your very nature by doing this. He has such strong words on behalf of Sodom. When it comes to his own situation, God tells him to do it, and he is off. Vayashkem Avraham Baboker, he rises early to satisfy the will of his master. Moreover, we know how significant the Akedah is. On Rosh Hashanah, the three additional sections that we add to the Musaf, the first one, Malchios, declaring Hashem as our King, the second one, Zechronos, that He remembers all and therefore judges each and every individual in accordance with all of their actions. And finally, Shofros, that He, Hashem, governs history, directs history from the blowing of the first Shofar at Sinai to please God. The future blowing of the Shofar heralding the coming of Moshiach the closing blessing of Zechronos to remind you ends Kizocher Kohanishkachos Atahumeolam for you, Hashem, literally remember all that forgive me, we would like to forget, you remember and there is no forgetting, right? Before your throne. The Akedas Yitzchok Lazaro Hayom Berachamim Tiskor. And please, Hashem, remember the binding of Isaac in favor of his descendants. Baruchato Hashem Zocher Habris. The Akedah is so significant. Now watch comes along, the way the Akedah is introduced is in the beginning of chapter 22, 
Hashem says to Avraham in Pasuk 2, Kachno es bincha, translated literally, please take your son. Now what's the please? So Rashi quotes from the Gemara in Sanhedrin 89b, that the expression of na is please. What does that mean? Watch this. Amod li bazehani soyon. Please, I'm asking you to do me a favor and pass this test. Shloyomru, that people shouldn't say, Horishonos, that the earlier, first nine, Lohaya Bahem Mamosh, they were really not substantive. And therefore, eh, this one here, that's the significant one. How could anyone say that Avram, according to Rashi, having to hide from Nimrod underground 13 years, Avram being flung into a furnace. How can anybody say that doesn't have mamosh? His leaving Lech Lecha, Artsacha, Moladitacha, his leaving his family, his homeland, his coming to Canaan, and as soon as he gets there, he has to leave because of a famine. His wife is taken and kidnapped by Paro, and he goes to war against the four major world powers. Unbelievable, all this. Wait a second, we're not finished yet. His circumcising himself, his having to drive away Ishmael. All these are Ein Bahem Mamosh. All these don't have substance to them, says Rav Schwab beautifully in his Sefer on Chumash, Me'ein Beis HaShoeva, says Rav Schwab, of course the first nine showed Avram to be an incredible Ma'amin, a man of great faith, an incredible Tzaddik, an incredible righteous man. But all of the play, all of these tests, rather, were directed solely towards Avram. Now, this tenth and last one is testing to see if Avram has the capacity, the ability to transmit that which he has believed in himself to the subsequent generation, to Yitzchak. And so, when we're told in this week's parsha that Hashem loves him, because he will command his household to follow after him, this is the test. Is Yitzchak following in the ways of his father? And, as it says twice by the Akedah, the two of them, there was no generation gap. Father and son go together on this mission. This is Vayelchu Shneim Yachtov. This is both of them going together. This is Mamosh. This is substance, because this is showing that that which Avram lived for, he's now able to transmit to the next generation. And if you think about it, for Avram, it was Torah Shebech Sav. Avram received straight from Hashem. Take Yitzchak. Yitzchak didn't hear it from God. Yitzchak, it was Torah Sheval Peh. For Yitzchak, it was listening to his father, who he believed heard it from Hashem. Incredible. So Avram did 
such a remarkable job in transmitting from one, quote, generation to the next. Very, very significant. And if you want, we can take this one step further. When Avraham was told, says to Eliezer and Yishmael, you stay here with the donkey. Vani Banar and myself and Yitzchak Nilcha Adko. We we will go beyond. What does that mean, Adko? So Rashi tells you. Avram said, "I want to see what's going to be with Ko." Last week, at the Bris Ben Absorim, in chapter 15, Hashem took Avraham literally outside, not literally and only outside his house to see the stars, but he took him outside this worldly order. There is a natural order, and there is Lamala Manateva above the natural order. And Avram was taken above the natural order. And so he was told, Ko and so too will your children be. And this was that test to see if his children as well, if Yitzchok as well, could be L'malem Nateva. Not only is there a father that is ready, willing, and able to slaughter his son, if this is what God asks of him, but I have a son that's ready to be slaughtered. Incredible. This is mamush. This is continuity. This is the remarkable tenth test of the Akedah. And the lesson for us is so significant that each and every one of us has to make sure that there's going to be a mamosh. Each and every one of us has to make sure there's going to be the continuity. And the continuity is done, number one, through tefillah. We have to pray that our children will follow in our footsteps, in our tradition. But prayer is not enough. You've got to do everything you can. You can't tell your children one thing, and do yourself something else. For sure not. But even if you are that role model, we must follow and listen to the words of the wise King Solomon, which is, which is, you shall train your child, teach the child in accordance with their nature. What does that mean? That if your child has a nature different than the parent, don't try to subvert that nature into a different nature. Why, says the Vilna Gaon, Gam Kiyaskin, because eventually later on in his life, he will go back to it. This is his nature. From the very beginning, he's into music. Let him be part of the Kumsitz. Let him be part of the various choirs. Let him sing Zemiros. Let him lead Zemiros. Let him be part of all this very positive, emotional, and let him channel it in the right way. And so with each and every talent that our children have, let them be focused and directed towards Avodas Hashem. This is Mamosh, our creating the right environment. And I close with a reminder. 
which is a little bit out of character for me, but I feel so strongly to speak about it. And that is this coming Tuesday is Election Day. And I can only tell you that while there is not a presidential election and that therefore it doesn't have that much hoopla and attraction, there are very important local elections. And very often the politicians represent various either or hashkafos, world outlooks that are in more in sync and keeping with Torah values or those that are unfortunately very estranged therefrom. In areas of morality, in areas of end of life issues, all I ask is that you please do your homework before you go into the polling booth on Tuesday so that you can help make the community a better mamush, a better, safer place for bringing up of our children. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. Thanks to Rabbi Yudin on this uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera, candlelighting 529. In Israel, Yerushalayim, it's 408. Remember, they've changed the clock over there. So keep that in mind. Six-hour difference between Israel and the uh, Eastern time zone. Tomorrow night, it'll be back to seven hours. We change our clock tomorrow night. 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. Keep that in mind. And yes, Election Day is Tuesday. Make sure to vote, everybody. And good luck to everybody running the New York City Marathon. Special Hatzlach Rabat to our very own Charlie Harari, who's running this Sunday for the first time. And um, we say good luck to all who are participating and who are raising money for great Jewish organizations uh, and many organizations, different organizations during the marathon this coming Sunday. Don't forget 24 hours of Kalbach, 24 hours plus of Kalbach begins this coming uh, Saturday night, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is his yard site. So that begins tomorrow night, and the 24 hours of Kalbach goes until Monday morning at 9 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Matis Weingast on Sunday with JM Sunday. This coming Sunday, he speaks with author Judy Gruen, author of The Skeptic and the Rabbi, a moving, funny memoir detailing her journey to becoming an Orthodox Jew. Judy Gruen, this Sunday, The Skeptic and the Rabbi with Matis, during JM Sunday, Mata starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, I should say, and ends at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time this coming Sunday. Naomi Nachman is with us live via telephone. The Aussie Gourmet is, of course, the host of Table for Two, which is coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Naomi Nachman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachum. It's always so great to be on the air with you. I greatly appreciate that. Now, let me get this straight about today's show. This is the show where you are, where you, where you're in your own home, yeah. doing a show with Shifra Klein. Is that accurate? That is correct. Well, first, I have Alison Joseph because we're going to talk about Sunday night's uh, All Star event that right. we're running a kosher chop competition at. Right. And then after that interview, Shifra and I cook up a storm in my kitchen. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And, and you Schiff, know, is a very because um, we 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 had the experience here with her a couple of times in studio. She's a very um, uh, creative. Let's put it that way, creative chef. Wouldn't you agree? She's very creative, and she she just is so much fun to be around. I really enjoy. She has a great laugh, a great sense of humor, and we get along really well. We're friends back at home too, so it's really nice. And we just, I just love being in the kitchen with her. She's actually very very bright 
and she knows it's she's not just a cook she knows all about the history of the food right. and she knows where it comes from you know she, she's a brilliant girl all right so that's coming up between nine and ten and as you said allison is your guest as well allison mentioned on the air this week with us that you'll be doing the chop competition at the jew in the city event this coming Sunday night is that is that difficult when when everyone's focused on the you know on the big gala event and then you're there to you know to have your 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 own segment so to speak a chopped competition does that work well it's I'm so nervous because Allison is like a superstar and <laughs> and like this event is like red carpet I had to buy a new dress and everything like it's so <laughs> exciting and then she asked me like let's add a different component to it and chop competitions you've been running them all over the country you seem like you're you're that, that people would enjoy it and let's do something so i agreed like, do you let's have put the, something on you have the contestants already that happens on sunday we, we do we do so we are you know even on today's show asking if you know the last minute contestants want to wanted to join in but right. we basically have a good lineup of who we want to have and we've got amazing judges, Honey Applebaum from Busy in Brooklyn, right. Aitam Banas, um, you know, our young, our young chef oh, yeah. friend, oh, yeah. superstar of, uh, of the actual Food Network, uh, who's been on twice, is going to be one of our judges. Cool. Um, we're also having Esty Walby, who's going to be running, for the first time I'm doing this in a chop competition, which is going to be so interactive. We're going to have... Through Esty Walby's 30,000-member kosher Facebook group, right? She yeah. has a group called I Don't Cook But I Give Out Recipes. Over 30,000 members. She just got an incredible write-up. Through her group, she's going to have people judge from home. Oh, that's Facebook cool. Facebook Live. Isn't that's that so cool? cool? That's and a good idea. And that's interact with us. Good idea. Brilliant. And, of course, Daniela Silva. Uh, a cookbook author from two amazing cookbooks. She's coming in for Toronto for this event to be a judge as well. Nice. So I'm very good, very good friends with that. I'm very excited that she's uh, coming in to join us, and it's going to be incredible. Food by Nobo, Josh, Josh Masson, and I are going to have this great banter with the audience, with the judges, with the chefs. It's the place to be. You can still actually buy tickets to the event. Um, at com slash events, and it's going to be amazing. All right, so that's happening Sunday. One last thing I have to speak to Naomi Nachman about before I turn things over to her at 9 a.m., and that's the big A&H competition on the 14th of November. Our friends at Abel's and Hyman are giving everyone a chance to win a great cash prize and have a lot of fun at Kosher Fest. On the first day of Kosher Fest, it'll be the first ever Kosher Best Dressed hot dog contest if you go if you go if you go to the a and h abels and hyman instagram profile or to their facebook page all the information is there how you could become a contestant in the best dressed hot dog contest naomi will be there hosting it and and cheering everybody on what do you think what do you think is going to happen at this uh, event on november the 14th I think it's so cute. We had so much success doing Table for Two last year for from Kosher Fest. People loved it. The energy at Kosher Fest is amazing. And we want to gather everybody around the Abels and Hyman booth. You know, Abels and Hyman, they make an amazing product. They were sponsors of Table for Two for a couple of years. Right. And and it's such an exciting event. Like all these hot dog eating competitions and, and uh, dressing up the hot dogs and all kinds of exciting food things that have always gone on in different communities. But now our kosher community is doing a best dress hot dog competition. I think it's adorable. It's all about eating with your eyes. And I think That's- and I think any parv topping condiment is acceptable. Like I'm sure there'll be some really strange, interesting stuff coming out of this competition. I, I believe so. And and you know, you eat with your eyes. Instagram, it's what it's all about these days. People right. just pour through Instagram or Google images of food or Pinterest or Food Gawker. 
and they can get inspiration to come and, and you know, participate in our uh, Dress Up the Hot Dog competition because, you know, you, you can gain calories and weight just by looking at something, apparently. <laughs> apparently, yeah. I know it works with me. All right. So, so the uh, big competition is November the 14th. Go to the Instagram and or Facebook page of uh, Abel's and Hyman A&H for all the details how you can be a contestant. It's called the World's Kosher Best Dressed Hot Dog Competition. Uh, we will cover it, and I'll have the uh, privilege of doing the play-by-play on the 14th of November. All right, Naomi, good luck on Sunday. Good luck Thank later you. today, and thanks so much for joining me. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Okay, Shabbat Shalom Nachum. See you all soon at 9 o'clock. That's right, 9 a.m. Naomi's coming up in 15 minutes from now with Table for Two, and again Sunday night she'll be with Allison at the Jew, Jew in the City event. Uh, I have a wedding Sunday night, so I'm not going to be able to uh, to attend. I, I apologized already to Allison, um, but it's going to be quite an event to say the least. And um, and then, of course, November the 14th, I'll reunite with, uh, all of us will reunite with Naomi at Kosher Fest and have a bunch of fun with our friends from Abel's and Hyman. So get ready for that. And again, go to their uh, social media if you want information about how you could possibly be part of that amazing competition. Big shout out to our friends at Congregation Shia Ahavat Torah, Rabbi Lubin, and everybody at uh, Parsippany, New Jersey. I'm looking forward to spending Shabbat with you. And I thank you very, very much for the invitation, to say the least. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to wish a very special Mazel Tov to Tzvi Zitzer. His Ufruf is this Shabbos at the Young Israel of Manhattan right here on the Lower East Side. So Tzvi Zitzer, wonderful friend, incredible member of the community. Uh, we say Mazel Tov to you, uh, the, um, the, uh, the Ufruf again this coming Shabbos. And a very special Mazel Tov to the Zwickler family. Rebbets and Sharon and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler are celebrating the Bar Mitzvah of Menachem Psachia, uh, Menachem Psachia this coming Shabbos. Uh, at Congregation of Asachim and A. Jacob and David, of course, in West Orange, New Jersey, with a big celebration tomorrow night as well. A major mazel tov to the Zwickler family of West Orange, New Jersey. And Menachem Psachia, a major mazel tov to you on the occasion of the Bar Mitzvah on this Parsha's Vayera from all of us here at JM and the AM. You have amazing parents, you have an incredible family, and no doubt you are an incredible young man yourself. And we wish you the very best as you continue to grow in Torah and service to the community. Mazal tov to the Zwickler family. Uh, such an amazing family from all of us here at JM and the AM. And I mentioned the wedding celebration that I have on Sunday. Mazal tov to Cantor Benny and to Anna Rogoznitsky. Cantor Benny and Anna Rogoznitsky, we are looking forward to celebrating with you this coming Sunday. Bezrat Hashem. Uh, Mazalta from all of us here at JM and the AM. Reminder, the Destiny Foundation, Rabbi Beryl Wine, present the film premiere Faith and Fate down at the uh, Museum of Jewish Heritage this coming Sunday at 7 p.m. RabbiWine.com has the information. RabbiWine.com has all the information. Um, and a reminder that um, our friends at Bedford-on-Park, located at uh, East 34th Street and Park Avenue, the northwest corner of 34th and Park, Remind everybody that they are an amazing place for your year-end celebration, your year-end party. No joke. They are an amazing place for your year-end celebration. Uh, make the reservation now. Uh, 100 people, 150 people, they can do it all under the leadership of Chef Alex with his delicious steaks, incredible starters, wonderful burgers, great entrees. They serve lunch and dinner every day. They do parties and shevabrachas. And your year-end corporate party is the perfect, pl- the perfect place for it is 61 East 34th Street, in New York City. So check out Bedford on Park. You'll be very glad you did. And um, 
And again, go to bedfordkitchen.com, bedfordkitchen.com for all the information. Get those reservations in today. And don't forget our friends in Fort Lee or by Goldberg and Company in Fort Lee, New Jersey. They have their big uh, um, they have their big um, event this coming Sunday at 10 a.m., an informational brunch, an informational brunch about Fort Lee, New Jersey, brought to you by the Young Israel of Fort Lee. That happens this Sunday at 10 a.m. on Parker Avenue in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Go to the Young Israel Fort Lee website yiftlee.org yiftlee.org for all the information it's 10 o'clock this coming sunday Rabbi goldberg joined us earlier in the week with a lot of wonderful things to say about fort lee we wish them the best of luck more coming up it's jm and the am friday at the nachum siegel network
J.M. and the A.M. Late. There we go. J.M. and the A.M. Levy Cohen with a song entitled Kila Shen. Well, Peter Burkowski is with us live via telephone. Apparently, if you're running in the New York City Marathon this coming Sunday, there will be a minion or more than a minion in Staten Island before the race. Peter Burkowski, welcome back to J.M. and the A.M. Good morning, Nachum. Uh, yes, we will have rolling minionim starting at 7 o'clock. Remember the days when there was just one minion, Peter? Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but we just, uh, nowadays they, they spread out the start yeah, over um, four different waves as, as, until as late as 11 o'clock. So we have to accommodate all the runners. We can't just have one minion and have people sitting around for uh, a few hours. So what do, what, what do the runners need to know about Sunday when it comes to minion? <sighs> well... All they have to do is show up. Um, we're clearly marked on all the site maps at Fort Wadsworth. We're about 50 yards inside the post. And it says Minion? Um, uh, I'm sorry? It says Minion? People could find it? Oh, yes. We have our own tent. We're on the, we're, we're on the map. It's a Minion for marathoners. It's very easy to find us. Uh, they can bring their own fill-in, uh, and we'll check them and take them in. Uh, to Manhattan, uh, or we're encouraging people to use our fill-in this year. Uh, it's becoming increasingly challenging to transport the fill-in into New York. We will still do it, and the pickup point is at the Spanish and Portuguese Synagogue, which right. is literally a stone's throw from the finish line. Right, it's right but there. there are additional challenges this year. Uh, number one, the heightened security because of the tragic yeah. incident earlier this week. Um, and even though we have all the right credentials to get onto Fort Wadsworth and to get to the synagogue in Manhattan, and we have to pass through barricades, and there's always additional complications. So, uh, and the second complication this year will be the forecast for rain. Believe it or not, in the past 33 years, we have never been rained on at Fort Wadsworth. It's supposed and, to rain uh, Sunday? We have ne- it's, they're forecasting rain, scattered showers, for uh, Sunday and Monday, really? we're not sure if, uh, I mean, the runners really don't mind if they run in a little bit of rain, but we're concerned about, you know, people putting on filling. We have our own tent, so that's not a problem, um, and we will securely check any filling that people want to leave with us and, and uh, transport it into Manhattan, but it's just an additional challenge for us. And uh, so we have to be prepared for all these things. So our day starts at like 3.30 in the morning and won't end until the last straggler comes by um, to pick up his fill-in, which could be as late as 6 or 7 p.m. Oh, you're right. It is supposed to rain. All right. Any information you need, it's really simple, everybody. Uh, If you're looking for a minion at the start of the New York City Marathon, the International Minion for New York City Marathoners begins at approximately 7 a.m. with rolling minionim. You can write to me. And they can call me at 973 477-7908. Minion director is Peter Brikowski, 973-477-7908. Simple as that. Peter, call a vote. It's amazing when you think back the service you started all these years ago. And now you know, Nachum, if you, if, if you were paying attention last week during the Haftarah for Lech Lecha, you may have noticed the phrase, Yerutsu Velo Yigau. <laughs> Very that's, good. And that's the motto of our Minion. Very good. I love Have it. Have a good job. It's not Shabbat shalom. Peter Burkowski, he's ready for Sunday. Another international minion schedule for all the New York City Marathon runners. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Another week's gone by, become a memory, so throw away your 
to say good job is Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, on the web, at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos and great weekend ahead with a couple of reminders. Don't forget the 24-plus hours of Kalbach begins tomorrow night, right after Shabbos, tomorrow night. 24-plus hours of Kalbach all the way through Monday morning at 9 a.m. in honor of Kalbach's yard site, which is this coming uh, Sunday, tomorrow night and Sunday. Uh, so we'll have the 24-plus hours of Kalbach. You can catch it all at the Nahum Siegel Network, of course. Uh, also, a, a reminder to Matis. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel. Matis is on Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time with JM Sunday. Uh, always has a uh, an amazing show, and this Sunday is no exception. 
He'll welcome uh, guest author Judy Groon, author of The Skeptic and the Rabbi, a very moving and funny memoir detailing her journey to becoming an Orthodox Jew. That's Sunday. Join Matis between 7 and 9 Eastern time. Don't forget to change the clock tomorrow night, everybody, as we fall back one hour. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Parsippany, New Jersey, look forward to seeing you later on. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.